Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. Make sure to shoot me a follow on there. You can also find my work at CoverOne.net and also ClimbingThePocket.com. We're doing a one-day a draft series right now on ClimbingThePocket.com. So make sure to go check that out. We just posted interior offensive line and offensive tackle because that's where the offseason starts. You have to build up the trenches in order to win in today's NFL. So with that being said, on today's episode, we're going to continue the State of the Franchise series, and we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the 20th overall selection. Then we'll move on to the Seattle Seahawks, who have the 21st overall selection. And then we'll finish up with the Baltimore Ravens, who have the 22nd overall selection. Two AFC teams that had a successful year last year, and then also the Seahawks a team that a lot of people counted out last year after really having a rebuild on the fly. But we'll touch on that a bit more once we get to Seattle. But I want to start with Pittsburgh, a team that has been the topic of the offseason, whether that's from Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell to calling out Ben Roethlisberger and his leadership or lack thereof leadership skills. And there's just been ongoing debates about this team, and they have been swirling in league circles. And this is a team that's really turning over a new leaf. They had a 9-6-1 overall record last year, and they do have some holes to fill. And I think they've done a good job of bringing in some young talent on this roster. James Conner was a really good find in 2017. Jalen Samuel was another really good find in the fifth round. So they're bringing a good job of replacing some of these star players that they do have. But it's really going to be put to the test this year. James Washington, the second round pick from a year ago, is really going to have to step up this year. And I think they're going to draft a receiver. And that's still to be seen in a couple of weeks. So we'll see exactly what they do do there. Dante Moncrief is another guy that they bring in that they brought in, but I think he's going to be much more of a depth type of filler signing. They still have Eli Rogers. And of course, Juju Smith Schuster is now entrenched as the number one wide receiver. And I think he's fully capable of that role, but he's going to need some help from some other guys on this perimeter. And Big Ben Roethlisberger, he does a good job of spreading the wealth. They have a high-octane offense, and the Steelers do a really good job of drafting wide receivers. Their past has been evident, and it's not just Juju, Antonio Brown, Hines Ward. The list goes on and on of guys that they have drafted in the past, and this draft is going to be a prime opportunity for them to replenish that depth that they are lacking at receiver. And with 10 picks in this draft, we'll see how many they do end up with on draft there if they want to move move around a little bit to maybe trade up in the first round or even trade back and end up with two first round picks. That's something that they might choose to do. Now, I don't necessarily see them doing that just because I think they need some depth on this roster, specifically on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary and on the second level. They still are searching for that replacement for Ryan Shazier because they're really soft in the middle. They don't have a lot of talent in the middle of their defense. But luckily, this isn't a great linebacker class, but I think there's a lot of depth in this receiver class. So they're I don't want to say they're going to be able to easily replace a guy like Antonio Brown, but 
maybe with multiple players, they'll be able to replace the production that he did bring to the table. So I want to jump right into this thing with the 20th overall selection. They're going to have their options. And I think the biggest needs for the Steelers right now, as I alluded to earlier, is number one, wide receiver, linebacker, and secondary throughout, whether that's corner or even safety. I still think they have some needs throughout the entire secondary, but they need to bring a receiver into this roster. And Hakeem Butler, he definitely could be an option. Now, 20 might be a bit early for him, but he is a wide receiver one for a lot of people. Now, I don't necessarily see it that way, and I think the league is kind of mixed, or the opinions around the league are really mixed about him, just like it is on Twitter. So Hakeem Butler definitely could be an option at 20 for them. But if they want to wait a little bit later, maybe with that second or even third round selection that they do have, and they have multiple third round picks that they received from the Raiders, they got pick number 66 overall from Oakland. And they also have pick number 83, I should say, in the third round. So they're going to have their chances to add depth to this receiving core. And even the second round, they have the number 52 overall selection so if they want to target a guy like Adebo Samuel who maybe could be there but I think they're probably going to have to trade up a little bit in order to acquire him but if they want to wait to the third round a guy like Miles Boykin could be a moldable piece of clay that they like to bring into the building so they're going to have their chance to add receivers to this roster it's just a matter of what type of receiver they want to bring in alongside Juju Smith-Schuster and some other depth pieces that they do have but I think Hakeem Butler, Debo Samuel, or Miles Boykin could definitely be options there but on the flip side if they want to address the defense early on and in the middle of that defense I think Devin Bush early on could be a fantastic selection for them because if you think about all of the great Steelers teams from years past and throughout their history they have that significant piece in the middle and Devin Bush would definitely provide that and this team has not had an identity on the defensive side since Ryan Shazier went down with his injury and we wish we wish him the best of luck going forward with that but they have to find that guy in the middle to replace him in his production and that positive signs of development that he did show before he ultimately suffered his injury. So I think Devin Bush and who knows if he's going to be there at 20 is not looking good right now for that outcome. But let's just say the NFL doesn't value as highly as some others do right now, specifically on social media. He's a hotbed right now on social media. A lot of people have them in have him in their top 10, myself included. He's my ninth overall player. So I think very highly of Devin Bush and I think he can give a team an identity right away you talk about a guy that is a sideline to sideline type of threat that the Steelers do not have I think he is definitely exactly what they're missing on that defense just because they do not have any speed in the middle and you talk about one trait that Devin Bush brings to the table immediately speed and instincts are the two top things that he brings right away so he would be a fantastic option in the middle of that defense right away but if they want to wait to the third round or even later in the fourth round at that number 122nd overall selection I think a guy they will have a star beside is Tavon Coney from Notre Dame. Now, he's nowhere near as physically gifted as Devin Bush is, and he's going to go way later than what Devin Bush is selected, but he has some limitations, and I don't think he really has three-down value at this point, but he's 6'1", 234 pounds. He's an old-school type of Mike linebacker, but if you're able to put him in that 3-4 defensive scheme like the Steelers are running, I think you can be able to hide some of his deficiencies because he's going to need a really good defensive line in front of him, and you talk about guys like Cam Hayward, Javon Hargrave, Stephon Tewitt being in front of him, being those space eaters 
or cloggers, I think they're going to be able to keep him clean and allow him to roam around freely on that defense. And that's something that Coney does do well. He runs around and he makes plays. Now, he does need to improve in pass coverage, but the Steelers need speed on the second level of that defense. And Coney does bring that to the table. And they need a guy that's an enforcer. And that's what Coney is. He's a true old school Mike linebacker type of downhill thumper. And that's something the Steelers do not have on the second level of their defense. So Coney could be another option if they wait to the second or even the third round or beyond to address the second level of their defense, specifically at linebacker. And then the topic of discussion for the Steelers offseason is going to be what are they doing in their secondary? Last year, they surprised everyone by taking Terrell Edmonds in the first round. And with the Steelers, you never know exactly what they're going to do in the first round. It's always going to be a surprise. And there's some steam out there that they value Lonnie Johnson really high, the cornerback from Kentucky. Now, the consensus on him is a bit mixed. There's some people that have him graded as a day one or early day two type of prospect. And there's some others that have him as an early day three selection. And you talk about another guy that really is an enforcer, an old school type of cornerback that really likes to get in your face and play press. He can play zone or he can play man, but he is extremely physical. And with Joe Hayden, with Sean Davis, Terrell Edmonds, Steven Nelson, they just do not have that physical enforcer that likes to get in your face. And that swagger and charisma just to be nasty. Artie Burns is a failed experiment to this point. The first round pick from 2016. And I just think they need to go ahead and prepare for life post Artie Burns. And they need to bring in some fresh legs. Lonnie Johnson could be that. Or a guy like Greedy Williams. I think Greedy Williams could be a fantastic pick. Or any of the top corners on the board. Byron Murphy or even the DeAndre Baker if they want to wait to the number 52 overall selection. So, I think Greedy or Byron Murphy could be there for them at pick number 20 overall. So the Steelers are going to have their pick of the litter if they want to address their secondary early on with their first round selection. Moving on to the 21st selection with the Seattle Seahawks, a team that has been the topic of discussion here the past few weeks because Russell Wilson came out and said he wants a contract extension and he is fully deserving of that because I've always felt as if he is an elite talent throughout the league and even when he was coming into the league a lot of people did doubt him because of his shorter stature and they really didn't know how well he was going to translate. He has checked every single box since that point and he has proven that he is an elite talent throughout the league and I think he is by far a top five quarterback throughout the NFL. He wants to be paid as such seeing guys like Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a host of other guys get paid who he thinks he's better than. I think he's rightfully so deserving of that contract extension. But talking on the draft with this team, they're in an interesting situation because they only have four picks throughout the entire draft, and they are a prime team that's a candidate to trade back. They have the 21st overall selection, and we've seen even in years past that they rarely stick in their first round spot or in their spot in general throughout the draft because of all the teams, they're the team that likes to move around the most. We've seen it plenty of times in years past where they like to move around and shift around in the draft to get some more picks to play around with, and I think they are of any team in the first round they're going to trade back everyone knows that only having four picks throughout an entire draft that's just not going to happen every team's magic number is six picks every team likes to have around six picks because you have to be able to build some type of depth and that's something that this team really lacks right now and I like what they have done in years past and yes the Rashad Penny pick was very questionable but they've added some more pieces up front, and we know that they need help desperately up there. But they need to continue to add 
up front, and I think they have a huge hole at center. I'm not a believer in Justin Britt. He just hasn't been what they thought they were getting in the second round of 2014. So they have some massive holes, specifically in the middle of that interior offensive line. I'm not a believer in my Potty either, even though he came over from the Arizona Cardinals, and he was a really good player about two to three years ago, but he just hasn't been that same guy. DJ Fluker, I think he's more of a depth piece. I thought Ethan Posick was going to be a bit better right now in his career, but we'll see if his development does continue to go along or get better as time goes on. He's still a young player. He still has time to improve, but I still think they need to bring in some guys along that interior, and I think they need to start at center, and they should be highly interested in the top two centers in this draft, in my opinion, and that's Garrett Bradbury and Eric McCoy. Now, I don't know if they're going to be comfortable with taking a center that early in the first round, at the 21st overall selection, but if they trade back into the latter half of the first round or even in the earlier parts of the second round, they could get Garrett Bradbury if they keep that first-round pick and trade back a bit or if they want to wait until the second round to take an Eric McCoy. I think either one of those guys will be really good options because they both are plug-and-play guys that this team really needs up front. And we all know the reputation out there is that the Seahawks just do not protect Russell Wilson. And I know they traded for Dwayne Brown last year, but outside of that, they do not have any intriguing pieces that can protect him up front. So bringing in Garrett Bradbury or Eric McCoy, I think that could do them do justice with Russell Wilson, and especially if they're going to pay him as their quarterback of the now and of the future, you have to do whatever you need to do to protect that elite piece because he's not always going to be as mobile as he is now. He's going to deteriorate at some point because that always happens with mobile quarterbacks, and I know he just doesn't rely on his legs. I'm not saying that, but he's going to get older, and, I mean, Russell Wilson is already 30 years old, so he's going to hit a bit of a downward slope as we get closer and closer to the end of his career. So now they need to start really protecting him because he's not going to be able to use his legs as a crutch as much as he did in the past because he's not going to have that mobility four to five years from now, even if he still is with the Seahawks. And I'm not saying they're going to get rid of him or anything like that, but they have to find a way to protect him. And then the offensive line is just something that they have failed to address with high, high caliber types of pieces in years past. So investing in an offensive line centerpiece like a Garrett Bradbury or an Eric McCoy, I think could help the Seahawks long-term future and be able to protect Russell Wilson. Before we continue on with our look inside the Seattle Seahawks and eventually get to the Baltimore Ravens, here's a word from our sponsors. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause that. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. Just go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Again, that's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Another area that I think they will address, and we see it littered throughout their team right now, they love spending mid-round picks or day two, the early day three picks, on their secondary. 
that's Pete Carroll's pride and joy. He loves investing in the secondary because that's the area where he feels is one of the more important parts of the defense. And we've seen it in years past with the Legion of Boom and just how productive they were in years past. But now they have a lot of guys that are really mid-round picks. And Shaq Griffin, who was a third-round pick from 2017. Tedrick Thompson, a free safety, who was a fourth-round pick from 2017 also. And then Trey Flowers from last year out of the fifth round. So something the Seahawks really do put a lot of emphasis on, though, is length in the back end of that defense. They want their guys to be long, rangy, and athletic. So luckily in this class, there's a lot of guys that fit that criteria. And a name I think they're going to have a star beside is Isaiah Johnson, the cornerback from Houston. He has length. He's 6'2", hovering right around 200 pounds. So he has that long length that they're looking for. He's very skinny, but they think they can put that weight on him. And I think he's going to be better in a zone scheme, even though he played a lot of man coverage at Houston. I think when he's zone turning, he looks really comfortable. He likes to come up and tackle, so he checks both of those boxes. But he has that length. He has that ball production that they're looking for. He used to play wide receiver, so he's very comfortable catching the ball and attacking it out of the air. So Pete Carroll really wants to mold this type of guy to be, once again, another depth piece that you can add with Shaq Griffin and Trey Fly in that secondary and I think they should continue to add pieces in their secondary because I think they need some help at safety and I know Bradley McDougal has been decent Tedrick Thompson had a decent second year but I think they could serve to upgrade specifically at free safety and a guy that wouldn't shock me at all if they take him in the first round if they want to trade back from the 21st spot or even if they want to take him there it wouldn't surprise me if they select Juan Thornhill really early a guy that tested in the 90 plus percentile in every single combine category he has the length that they're looking for he's six foot 205 pounds but the one thing that Pete Carroll is going to love about him is his range he has ball production he has 13 career interceptions and 25 plus passes defense so he he's able to play the ball out of the air but he also checks a box that they do not have which is that rangy safety that reminds them of Earl Thomas and I'm not saying he's going to be Earl Thomas or he has the upside of Earl Thomas but he has very similar qualities a guy that that has that sideline to sideline range and can be that mistake eraser on the back end of their defense in that zone heavy cover three and cover one type of scheme on the back end of Pete Carroll's defense so I think Juan Thornhill definitely could be an option early for them whether that's at 21 or if they want to trade back and still select him whether that's in the latter half of the first round or on the earlier portions of day two once they're able to collect another pick but Three prospects, or four I should say, that really makes a lot of sense for them. Garrick Bradbury, Eric McCoy, Isaiah Johnson, and Juan Thornhill. The final team that we'll discuss today is the Baltimore Ravens, a team that had a very successful season last year, ending up with a 10-6 record. But I think they're another team that's really in an interesting spot because they're in a bit of a transition, moving on from Joe Flacco, trading him to the Denver Broncos, and now they're fully embracing the Lamar Jackson movement, selecting him with 32nd overall pick a year ago in the first round. Now they're showing that they're fully invested in their first-round selection. This is Eric DaCosta, the new general manager, taking over for longtime legendary general manager and player in Ozzie Newsom. So he has some big shoes to fill. And also, Lamar Jackson has to continue to progress. And I think they've showed some support for him by re-signing Robert Griffin III, who has been a guy that has a similar skill set, and he's been in his corner, seems to be a good mentor for him overall. And last year, when they signed Robert Griffin III, I knew that Lamar Jackson was on their radar because 
Robert Griffin III is just a completely different type of skill set quarterback from Joe Flacco. And it really signaled that they want to have that athletic quarterback if they were going to go after a guy like Lamar Jackson. So with Lamar Jackson, something you have to understand is that he's never going to be a 60% completion percentage type of passer. He rarely did it at Louisville. And now in his first year in the NFL, he really struggled with his accuracy. We saw that in the playoff game last year against the Chargers. So with Lamar Jackson, he still has some things that he needs to clean up his footwork. Uh, just his mental processing of the whole entire field as opposed to just very vanilla type of concepts that they ran last year for him. And that's understandable because last year they went into the year fully prepared that Joe Flacco was going to start the entire year. So they had to kind of flip a switch to this new style of run heavy oriented type of offense. And I like the switch that they made, but I don't think they have to be as run heavy with Lamar Jackson. I think they can let him sit back there and throw the ball a little bit more than what he did. And they don't have to necessarily use the run game as a big of a crutch for him but bringing in Mark Ingram I really like that signing because he's a guy that can run between the tackles and he can be that big bruising type of running back that you can rely on if Lamar Jackson does get a bit sporadic throughout games Mark Ingram had plenty of success down in New Orleans with the Saints and that pairing with Alvin Kamara was one of the best if not the best duo throughout the entire league last year so I like the Mark Ingram addition they do have some areas to address I think wide receiver is a big position that they need to fill some holes in edge rusher replacing Terrell Suggs interior offensive line specifically at center and guard opposite of Marshall Yonda I think they do need some new talent in that area but I think wide receiver by far is their biggest need but they had a lot of departures on this team Eric Weddle is now gone Zadarius Smith is gone out the door Terrell Suggs as I mentioned earlier and CJ Mosley as well so they have some they have some holes on both sides of the ball but they're fully in the Lamar Jackson era and I think they need to do whatever they need to do to surround him with specific type of weapons and there's plenty of players in this draft that they could look to target and specifically at receiver one guy that I really do like for them and this is not necessarily early on in the draft but if they want to get him in the second or even the third round Kelvin Harmon from NC State, a guy that I absolutely love. He's not a natural separator or anything like that, but he does have a fantastic catch radius. He loves to block on the perimeter. He embraces that, and with this Ravens new era, they have to find receivers who do, who do love that area of the game because let's just be honest, they're going to be blocking a ton just because that's the type of offense that they want to transition to. They want to run Lamar Jackson 10-plus times a game just because that's how he gets comfortable. He's not a guy that's going to sit back there and throw the ball 35 to 40-plus times a game. You have to incorporate some quarterback design runs with him because that's how he gets comfortable and that's how he gets in the flow of the game. So when he does throw it out wide to the perimeter, to the these receivers they have to be willing to cash in on those opportunities and that's something that Kelvin Harmon has shown or been prone to do even in his time at NC State back-to-back thousand yard seasons eight to ten plus touchdowns every year or his following two seat or his final two seasons at NC State so he has the production to back it up he's not a guy that's going to be a consistent separator or create separation down the field 
But in the short to intermediate areas, I think he could dominate and be a security type of blanket for Lamar Jackson in those areas. Continuing with the wide receiver trend, I think A.J. Brown, the slot receiver from Old Miss, I think he's another receiver prospect that could be a fit for the Ravens because he's not always going to go down the field, but I don't want to just label him as a slot. So let me back up by saying this. He can play on the outside and he can play in the slot. Even though Old Miss did just lock him in the slot for the most part, he did show last year against Vanderbilt when they did suffer some injuries out wide that he has he has the potential to make plays on the outside. And he had one explosive play. I believe it was, a, it was about a 65-yard touchdown where he caught a five-yard hitch pattern, and he turned it up the field and took it the distance. So he has that field that you're look, He has that speed that you're looking for, tested really well at the combine, much better than what a lot of people were expecting. Lamar Jackson is prone to struggle over the middle of the field and outside of the numbers. In between the hashes, I think that's where A.J. Brown does most of his damage. So you talk about a quarterback that really does – throw some high passes or sell it over the middle of the field. A.J. Brown has shown to have a really good catch radius. He can be that inaccuracy eraser that Lamar Jackson does need in those certain areas. And with this offense that they're running, they're running a lot of RPOs and a lot of dual reads where Lamar Jackson is going to have to read some interior defenders to determine if he's going to keep the ball or if he's going to throw it to the receiving option when the defenders do add some extra guys into the box like they have prone to do with Lamar Jackson because of his legs being such a threat. A.J. Brown, that's an area where he did thrive in with Jordan Tamu. When they, were at, when they were at Ole Miss together in the RPO game is an area where A.J. Brown does excel. Is basically what he caught for the most part when he was with the Rebels. You talk about a bunch of slant outs and quick hitch patterns. That's really where he does excel, even though he's shown to be able to run some double moves down the field or win with speed down the field. But the thing that A.J. Brown does need to improve upon is press coverage. That's really where he does struggle. But the Ravens aren't going to see a lot of that because a lot of defenders are going to be occupied within the box. And so A.J. Brown is going to get a lot of free releases, just like he did at Ole Miss. And then you couple that with Lamar Jackson. And I think their skill sets really complement each other really well. So A.J. Brown is another target that I think could be on the Ravens' radar, whether that's at 22 or if they want to go later on in the draft, if he is still there on the board, they want to trade back into the latter half of the first round or even the top part of the second round to select the former Ole Miss receiver. Wow, episode 12 is officially in the books. We continued our State of the Franchise series with the Pittsburgh Steelers who had the 20th overall selection. And the biggest question they must answer during the draft is how are they going to address their secondary? The second level of their defense, specifically at linebacker in the middle, how are they going to replace Ryan Shazier? And then Antonio Brown's production. What are they going to do, whether that's at 20? 52 or with their two third round selections they're going to have a plethora of options that they can choose from with those early round picks or if they decide to trust their scouting and their board like they have done in years past to take some later on down the line options with the 21st overall selection the seattle seahawks are in a bit of turmoil because they don't know what they should do at the top because they only have four selections throughout the draft and they are a prime candidate to trade back they need some wide receivers. They still need to address the secondary. And most importantly, they need to find a way to keep Russell Wilson upright. With the 22nd overall selection, we talked about the Baltimore Ravens and how they transitioned to the Lamar Jackson era. Joe Flacco is now out the door to the Denver Broncos. So this team is all about Lamar Jackson going forward. 
They've done a great job surrounding him with weapons with Mark Ingram, but now they need to address the perimeter. They're going to have plenty of options to choose from with their selections. Even though they only have two picks in the top 100, they are another team that's a prime candidate to trade back. We will return on Friday with a very special episode because it is the official launch day of my 2019 NFL Draft Guide. And I'll go ahead and go more in depth with that. And also, I will talk about this on Friday's episode, the Draft Guide. You can now purchase it or pre-order it for $10. All of the proceeds from this Draft Guide will be going to the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger Foundation located in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's something that I've done for two consecutive years now. This is my second year actually doing this. So help a great cause while also benefiting yourself by getting so much information about all of these upcoming prospects. There will be over 200 scouting reports, my final top 200 big board, positional ranking, scheme fits, and my final grades on over 200 prospects. So make sure to tune into that. Also, we will have another jam-packed episode continuing on Friday with the State of the Franchise series. We will talk about the Houston Texans, who have the 23rd overall selection, and how they're going to keep Deshaun Watson upright because they led the league in sacks allowed last year with 62. And then we'll transition to the Philadelphia Eagles, who hold the 25th overall selection, a team that doesn't have a bunch of needs, but they love to address the trenches. They still have a need at running back, even though they did trade for Jordan Howard. He's on the last year of his deal, so they still need a future option behind that. And also, they have a need at defensive tackle. Now that Timmy Jernigan is out the door, they need somebody paired with Fletcher Cox along the interior. We're going to skip over the Oakland Raiders because we have already addressed them at the fourth overall selection and their future picks in the first round and throughout the draft. So we will conclude with the 26th overall pick in the Indianapolis Colts. One of my favorite teams to talk about because Chris Ballard, he's one of my favorite GMs throughout the league. I love hearing him talk and I love just the way he attacks the draft and free agency. So I'm really excited to talk about the Colts. But with that being said, thank you once again for listening to the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D, NFL. You can also find my work on CoverOne.net and also ClimbingThePocket.com. This podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review, and I will see you guys again back on Friday.